This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to Super Spreading Bitcoin 2022, this week in Bitcoin. Today is February the 4th of that year, 2022. Wow, we're making progress. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next big one. Be a unique beast, like here at CoinBeast, all right? And uh, yeah, don't FOMO on alts. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. I am offended by selling. Oh my, the Bitcoin price is over $40,000. I don't care because it always returns to its all-time high. We're one day closer to an all-time high. We're one second closer to this show really starting and not me yelping anymore. We got three freaking new guests Okay, they're all linked to below. They're they're known commodities, but they've never been on the show before. I haven't had an all-rookie show in a long time. Justin is here from, I mean, he's in deep in the heart of Texas. I'm actually in Texas right now, too. Bitcoin Gandalf is in the house. Oh, yeah, he's over in Europe. He's across the pond. And Lewis Shulman is in beautiful, beautiful Southern Florida, baby. And we're going to talk about South Florida because, of course, Bitcoin Magazine is uh, the big sponsor of the show. And the Bitcoin 2022, we're super spreading the news about this great event that is only 60 days away. They told me it's only 60 days away. I can't believe it's only time is flying. It is April 6th to 9th. And now I'm going to read you what I got to read you about Bitcoin 2022. And we're going to ask all these guys if they're going to be there. I mean, if, if Schumann is, if you're down in Florida, I mean, you can just walk to the event. All right. Bitcoin 2022 is the largest Bitcoin event in the world that takes place April 6th and 9th in Miami Beach, Florida. Will, Le- Le- will LeBron be there? He took his talents there once, I know. We'll talk about LeBron soon. All four days, I don't think he'll be there. All four days will be jam-packed, but I'd like that he's talking about Bitcoin. All four days will be jam-packed with exclusive content, exciting announcements, and incredible lineup of Bitcoin speakers. Remember, if you're watching this, don't tape. You can skip all over this and play this at 2X. Artists and leaders. Day one is industry day. Wow. For enterprising Bitcoiners who are looking to to build a business or career within the ecosystem. Days two and three are general conference days featuring speakers like El Salvador and El Presidente Nayib Bukele, who has promised a big surprise. Oh man, a big surprise. You know, if you're on days two and three, I'll be there too. You can touch my freaking hair if you want, okay? Will that get you to freaking come to this event, people? It's linked to below. Adam 10 is the freaking discount code, okay? Okay, they're going to be CEOs like Michael Saylor there. Don't worship him, people. Don't worship him. Elizabeth Stark, Jack Mallers, Adam Back, and hundreds more. The conference caps off on the fourth day with the world's first and largest Bitcoin music festival, Sound Money Fest, headlined by these rappers that I don't even know and I can't. Steve Akoy, I don't know who these people are, but I'm supposed to say their names. I'm not saying them. I mean, San Hello. The Dead Mask 5? I mean, I'm still stuck in the early 2000s here, so I, I don't know what's going on. Last, I, was, I value my wealth in Bitcoin, not like rappers and stuff, but whatever. <laughs> money. All right, all right, wait, wait. So wait, wait. Last year's conference sold out, and, and that's serious, dude. There were like over 10,000 people there. Now they're going to be over like 30,000 people there, and this year's is on pace to be 3x larger. So make sure you grab your tickets before it's too late and visit b.tc slash conference to learn more. Pay in Bitcoin to save, I'm offended by selling, but whatever, and use promo code ADAM10 for 10% off. And I will see you in Miami 
All right. I read the whole thing. Dude, does anyone else actually read the whole thing? This, am I the only guy that actually follows all the rules? I mean, I, probably. I, 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 I probably am. I'm, I'm, I'm conscientious here. I do what I say I'm going to do. So let's just jump right into this. Okay. Let's talk about Russia, 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 and Bitcoin. And Gandalf has a tweet out there. He is linked to below. And uh, pound that like button, people. We're, we're, we're starting the real part of the show. If Russia adopts Bitcoin amidst the geopolitical tensions happening right now, things could get really ugly for Bitcoin and Bitcoiners in the West. Uh-oh. Well, what's he mean by that? But let's just see. He has a poll also. Also, Russia adopts Bitcoin to skirt around economic sanctions. What do the U.S. and its allies do? A, restrict Bitcoin and ban Bitcoin. B, Race to embrace Bitcoin to assume mutual preservation of the mo of monetary integrity. I'm going to tell you something. I don't think Russia is adopting Bitcoin, but a lot of people are talking about it. There are rumors about this that are out there. I actually think if they did um, adopt it, that the United States would do the wrong thing and try to restrict it in some way, um, which is not, not smart. I also agree if Russia actually adopted Bitcoin, that all the haters of Bitcoin in America – uh, would have a field day and start saying you're unpatriotic if you like Bitcoin. But Gandalf, take it away, baby. Your take on all this. Yeah, I, I woke up I woke up this morning, I think, and, and I saw people tweeting about potential Russia adoption. And I saw Max Kaiser was saying that uh, something about Russia, um, yeah, l just potentially looking to start adopting Bitcoin to skirt around sanctions, right? Uh, obviously, like... I don't believe that that's necessarily true. Although Max does uh, work for the uh, for RT, which is a Russian uh, government news or or TV, um, so who knows what he knows, and who knows if what he's saying is true or he's just you know it's like a Bitcoin's going to 220k prediction style tweet. Um, but I just thought it was I, I just, it immediately made me think like that that that's not good for Bitcoin at. In this particular scenario with the geopolitical tensions, I didn't think that Russia adopting Bitcoin to, even if it's just posing that it will, that they're going to do it to scud around sanctions. I didn't think that was a good thing for uh, Bitcoiners in, in, you know, in the US and any of the countries that ally with the US. So I agree with you, Adam. And then I did, and then Jason Lowry responded uh, saying, well, you know, what if the U.S. does adopt it as a national security measure and to assure he's thinking like, you know, they have nukes. If they adopt Bitcoin, it's like they have nukes. Now we need to get nukes to assure that they don't nuke us. Uh, but I don't know if that quite works with money. Right. Um, they can adopt Bitcoin. We can try to ban Bitcoin or uh, uh, and nothing would happen initially. You know, they can't destroy the U.S. with Bitcoin by adopting Bitcoin tomorrow. Uh, they can't. I, mean, I would think if, if Russia adopted Bitcoin in the long term, they would destroy their authoritarian rule. I mean, Putin yeah. would, would be I, a weaker leader. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not in the camp of like authoritarian nations are going to adopt Bitcoin. I think it's like the complete opposite. Um, but I'm also. I'm also not in the camp of like, yeah, if Russia adopts it, it's a good thing. It's probably especially Russia, especially in the current climate. It, I don't think that would be a positive thing uh, for Bitcoin in the short to medium term. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, do, do you see the the if Russia adopted it, that the propaganda within the United States would increase? Like you're unpatriotic. You you you're yeah. like specialized. We we live. I think on Bitcoin Twitter, we live in an echo chamber, right? We're surrounded by people who are really like optimistic about Bitcoin and and see how 
great it is, or at least they have, they're of the opinion that it's really great. They don't realize that most other people either don't care, don't think about Bitcoin, or have no idea about anything to do with it. And just like, you know, they might, they might just take whatever the mainstream media uh, says at face value about COVID, you know, like COVID stuff, people just kind of follow what the media is selling them. And they have this, this narrative that's been fed to them without them thinking about it. It'll be the same thing with Bitcoin. Like if, if Russia adopts Bitcoin and the narrative is like they're doing it to skirt US sanctions, the, the media isn't going to be like, this is great for Bitcoin. Now like, let's all take, let's all adopt. No, they're going to like, Bitcoin is bad. It's adopted by Russia and it'll be attacked. And then everyone will be like, Bitcoin is bad. Yeah. Well, it does give Bitcoin a news cycle, though. And I think maybe one of those things where any news is good news, like a major country adopting Bitcoin, it puts it in a new category. People are going to hate on it. Like they're going to hate on it in a new way, which I think is probably yeah. good. I think, I think that obviously the issue is, is highly nuanced. And there are, you know, the, 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 the fact that it would get, you know, a negative spin in the news is one factor. I think what you're saying that any news is good news and it would, it, you know, it puts it in front of more people. Some people might take a look at it and then who wouldn't have uh, and then realize like, wow, this is actually amazing. It's not, it's not bad. Uh, so, and, and, you know, and then there's people who are like, well, you know, the U.S. can't, you know, you can't ban Bitcoin. I mean, that's okay. That's like a semantics thing. What does ban actually mean? Right. I think that Bitcoin can be made illegal. That's 100% a factual statement. Bitcoin, using Bitcoin, selling Bitcoin, buying Bitcoin, offering Bitcoin related services, all of that can be made illegal. Now, how easy is it to actually enforce it? Uh, well, at an institutional and like business level, really easy. All, all, all businesses that deal in Bitcoin would drop it in an instant because, you know, it's a, their business is on the line. Individuals, sure, you know, we might still torrent yeah. movies, even though it's illegal as copyright infringement, but they can't stop torrenting because it's just hard to enforce a uh, copyright infringement at that level. So we could still use Bitcoin between us, but any business in Bitcoin and any institution in Bitcoin would have to exit. I could see it galvanizing like the political people that are pushing for regulating Bitcoin now. It would give them a new tool in their tool belt for arguing for that crap. Oh, yeah, yeah man. It would. That would be the ultimate. That would be the ultimate tool they're told about. I want to say, Gandalf, you make a very good point about Max Kaiser also. Um, you're a dude that doesn't put that dude on a pedestal. And there are way too many people that worship <laughs> every word that dude said. I think some of the things he says are out of hype and out of spite. He has a complete hatred of bankers that is sickening to a sickening level. To a, I think it's just a sickness on his part. So I, 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 and he works for a Russia propaganda outlet, and he's worked for an Iran. Really? He works well. Russia works today. Kaiser reports on RT, which is Russian yeah, Russian government television. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, it's a propaganda. Been like that for ten years Whoa. or more. Yeah, RT is a Russian propaganda outlet, and it can never be forgotten that Max Kaiser worked for the Iranian equivalent of that, the Iranian propaganda. He took money from Iran. I mean, whatever. So Max Kaiser is Max Kaiser, whatever. You can say what you want to say about Iran, Russia. Okay, but but, uh, uh, but I want to go back to Gandalf here. Your original point, though, your poll. Your poll. So if if Russia actually adopted it, what do you think that, what do you think the uh, America would do? do? Do you think they would try to ban it at that point? They, they wouldn't do the mutually assured uh, good thing. They would, uh, they would do the ignorant thing. Mutually assured sound money. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't do much. They, they wouldn't do mutually assess some money. I don't think they would. I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Gandalf. But uh, no, I would. I would go for a. I mean, I, I, I would go for. They would try to like rest, they, restrict ban, or it would be like spun into a negative thing about Bitcoin that they would use to attack Bitcoin. 
and I understand like there's some uh, support at a like uh, cong a congressional level with uh, Loomis, and there's like obviously other people who are running for governors of Texas, and and there's like state level House support in Arizona and stuff like that. But you don't know if these people are just LARPing. Like they might just be like, oh, I can see that if I just like uh, you know stroke the ego of Bitcoiners, then I get some political support. Um, you know, he's. I, I just think I think a lot of the uh, the, the political support for I, I think Cynthia Loomis seems to be uh, like legitimately appreciates Bitcoin. I think a lot of the people that are coming later are just like jumping on the bad bandwagon because it's hot and it's like you know, blockchain, crypto, Bitcoin, uh, or you know these people have been smart enough to like identify a subsection of crypto which is Bitcoiners and like oh we'll cater to these guys right like whereas like Mayor of Miami uh, and the New York guy uh, Eric Adams I think it is. They're going more like they're going Bitcoin, but they're also cryptoing with like Miami coin and New York City coin, whatever else. Um, yeah. So these people are smart; like they figured out that they can get, they can, um, they can attract, you know, attention and potential support for themselves by, by supporting Bitcoin. Uh, it, it could be a it's, it's definitely something that's like a mutually ex mutually beneficial thing. They're doing something because they think they're going to get something back. I don't think they just like love Bitcoin. I, I like uh, you bring up the term LARPing with uh, some of these politicians. Uh, no, no doubt about it. You call them smart. Uh, I think they're aggressive. I don't know if they're all smart. Uh, they, they know how to make up. They're, they're political. They, they, they know yeah. how to make political moves. Uh, somebody, right. somebody, um, somebody had a good reply on my um, on the poll. Uh, he said they will they will publicly fud, but they will stop buying at the same time. Yeah. Well, I, by the I way, don't believe that either. But that would be amazing. That would be the move, right? You fud it and then you buy loads. Yeah. By the way, this poll is linked to below. Lewis, you haven't gotten to speak yet. Take it away on Russia theories and everything that we've been throwing, throwing around here. Yeah, that's a Russia expert right here. Just kidding. I think that it's kind of tough to say. I've been trying to take in what y'all have been saying. I mean, obviously, the opponents of uh, Bitcoin who are grasping for any talking points that haven't been debunked yet. Because, I mean, I think, you know, some of the recent debunking that's happened is a lot of the energy debate, right? Talking about Bitcoin's energy consumption. And that's been the hot thing, I mean, for years and years and years, but especially recently again. And you just see the Bitcoin community thoroughly debunk that and get people on it. And so they're just like, well, what's the next thing? And if this turns out to be something, right, because of the easy ability to spin anything related to Russia as negative for America, they're going to grasp it. It's just going to be, you know, to what extent is that going to be persuasive for people watching it? You know, it's comes down to the same kind of argument of who's the audience that's actually, you know, talking about which media outlets are going to be the people that run with the story. How well are they going to be able to explain it? And does their explanation, as it often does, reveal how little they understand the underlying thing they're discussing? So it's kind of like, yeah, they're going to run with it, but no one in Bitcoin is going to be concerned about it. I don't think it's going to shake the conviction of any of the politicians we just talked about from Miami or anything like that. And it's just going to, you know, pose an additional blow to the credibility of the few people in high positions of authority in media or politics who take this argument and actually believe it's worth like propagating, uh, you know, shout about, shout out Elizabeth Warren. If you, if you take up this argument, I mean, <laughs> you're going to like divide your fan base by another couple hundred thousand people. I mean, it's, it's going to hit zero eventually. So like maybe run with it. All right. Uh, Dustin, you tried it a few times, but I know you've got more to say here. Yeah. I mean, I think that when I think about Russia adopting, I, first of all, I don't think it's very likely, but if they did, the thing that excites me is like, seems to be a lot of countries in Central and South America that are considering it. And if just any major country made a move like that, I bet you yep. would just make it seem a lot more reasonable to them. I think that'd be awesome. And I mean, I guess like, I feel like the U.S. is always going to hate on Bitcoin, no matter what happens. 
And so, like, as Bitcoin progresses, we're just going to keep getting that. And I, I don't, I mean, not that I control any of this, but if I did, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother with, like, trying to defend against that. Like, the U.S. is going to FUD. That's what we're going to do. Uh, well, you say the U.S. is going to, I think there's certain corners of the U.S. I mean, we'll, we'll break down the Democratic-Republican thing uh, later because when you, we were on, uh, what were we on together? When we were at Clubhouse, uh, we were, you and I were talking about this a bit. And I, I want to expand on the, uh, the U.S. political side. But now that we're talking about the international political side here, let's uh, – and you you guys, if you have anything else to say about the uh, Russia, you, you can keep on chiming in. But we'll, we're going to try to segue into the, the IMF guy here, all right? And uh, IMF oh, – guy. Yeah, yeah. Cryptoization poses risk for emerging markets, says an IMF counselor, okay? And – it, it, the IMF has been speaking out against Bitcoin being dangerous and scary, I guess, since El Salvador has, uh, you know, kind of the slap in the face to the IMF. I mean, to me, I, I see the, the IMF lo- loves to keep these uh, developing countries hooked on their loans, ho- hooked on their way. OK, and so Bitcoin, uh, you're in a whole different uh, realm. Uh, you're kind of kicking that uh, that the fiat uh, addiction to the side, the loan, the, the IMF addiction to the side. When you get and, and so they're threatened, and and they're going to see they're going to be sidelined. They're going to be uh, headlines like this. So I I just see I see it as expected. Of course, the IMF is going to not want to see other countries like El Salvador. They certainly weren't going to come out in support of it. No, of course not. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh my God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I mean that's a that's a beautiful summary right there, Louis. Yeah, pound that like button, dude. Of course, it's not gonna come out. And support. What did everybody expect them to do? But uh, who, who wants to talk about this here? So I, I heard a bunch of people yelling there. Uh, Dustin, I've been, I've been looking into this guy, and like he basically got out of college, worked at the Federal Reserve for fifteen years, and then now he's working at the IMF for five years. I think he's just stuck in those like elite financial circles where they're all Keynesians and they all just like talk hot air to each other. And that's just how he sees the world. And honestly, reading through his statements, it's just very confusing. Like, here's one of the quotes. Crypto is being used to take money out of countries that are regarded as unstable by external investors. Like, what does that mean? Like, so he what? thinks that, like, I can't even dissect that. I, 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 think, think, I, I, I think part of the thing is it, their capital controls in these countries is a way of getting around capital controls. These countries shouldn't have capital controls in the first darn place, okay? That's part of it. Uh, and, so, and, and some people like Steve Henke just have this blind belief that Bitcoin extracts, val- it extracts value out of countries. And I don't get – again, I, I think they're just repeating nonsense. There, but continue. Sorry. Yeah, it just works out. Right? That's exactly my point. And the more you read about his statements, the more it's like, okay, he's using smart-sounding technical financial terms, but I'm pretty sure it's just word salad. And the way I read it is – he just is hating on Bitcoin and he's using his like whatever fucking degree he has and his dialogue of like just words to just make it sound credible. But it, it's just straight up hate on Bitcoin. That's it. That's okay. that's how I read it, too. I mean, I think that we see this in as like a big sweeping broader trend larger than Bitcoin right now. It's just people with certain credentials that people for whatever reason assign credibility to will make these arguments and make these statements well, really, they won't, they're not making arguments. They're just making statements without backing up any of the claims in, in the article. They're just anyone who like understands the structure of a complete argument will like read this and be like, well, what's the actual argument? They're like, Bitcoin's unstable because it's unstable. The price changed. Therefore, it's bad. It's like these are just not fully baked claims. Kind of what you're saying about what does it mean that it's making capital leave these countries? It's like they're not fully explaining. They kind of just are 
there's like a hole missing and like the sequence of th- like logical claims that have to be true for the conclusion to be true. And they just don't expect anyone to do that work or they just don't care to, because even if people reach that conclusion, right, most individuals are like not going to get fired up about it to like prove them wrong or not going to find a bigger microphone to shout down the original commentary. Uh, so they just... It's a big, scary, emotional term, extracting money from country. I mean, they, they don't need to explain why it's happening or what the heck it even mean. Sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, like, like a lot of people, there's this, like, mode of, of thinking where you just hear somebody who's credentialed and smart say a bunch of big words, and you go on this trance. You're not actually understanding what their point is. And then at the end, they give you a conclusion. And you're like, oh, okay, that conclusion's right. And I think that's what this guy just speaks to in his entire everything. Uh, Gandalf. Yeah, I, find, I, I mean, I find it really hard to, to even try to engage with this sort of news or information because it's just so nonsensical that it's point, like, like, I think, Louis, you nailed it with your explanation, like that the, the things that have to be true for his arguments to make sense, like he, he, none of his sentences make sense, basically. Like, it's like he's just putting together a whole bunch of like fancy words that what um, Safe Dean had a podcast with Alan Farrington. He called them Chomsky sentences. I think they're called. It's like <laughs> sentences that are a whole bunch of like words that together like they mean nothing. It's like, but they make sense, right? They make it's, it makes grammatical sense, but it doesn't mean anything. It looks That's like like AI generated content. Yeah, yeah. It, it like literally means nothing. Uh, so and, and again, like you know. This guy knows obviously clearly. Well, this guy clearly knows nothing about Bitcoin, and I wouldn't like, like you guys said, wouldn't expect him to support Bitcoin in the first place. So I tend to just like, like I don't pay attention to these things. I just gloss over them, um, and uh, and and look for. It, it's very hard to find. Like I like to say, there's no, uh, there's no informed Bitcoin bears. Uh, I heard that they're all gone. Yeah, I heard I heard someone say that. Like everyone who's like a bear doesn't really get it. Or it's just too deep in the incentive to maintain the status quo. Those are the two. The ones that are like evidently corrupt. And anyone, in the, I, anyone in the IMF has a big incentive uh, to you know maintain the status quo. I mean, you, 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 that's the way it is. That's the financial system. So of course, I mean, they're, of course, they're never they're not going to support it. If if one if one of their dudes came out and supported, I mean, it would be it's impossible. <laughs> Here, let me just read one more of these things. Okay, so here's a quote from the guy. The adoption of cryptocurrencies legal tender entails large risks for financial and market integrity, financial stability, and consumer protection. It also creates contingent liabilities. The fuck does any of that mean? Yeah. Contingent liability. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's a, it's a fa- fancy word to, to, to mesmerize people. And uh, a lot of people like that. They, they like mm-hmm. it's complexity worship. People hear something, yep. eh, they must be right. I don't know what they mean, but they're great. <laughs> Hiding behind jargon. Hiding behind jargon. Yeah. All right. So, so, so I wanted to get that. A- anyone else have anything to say about Russia, IMF, international uh, stuff that we we're talking about? I was going to say just generally speaking, like even in this article, the grouping of cryptocurrency versus Bitcoin specifically and like the criticisms, that's just like one of the first red flags that people like who are you know not super experts in Bitcoin and are trying to like discern what go through an article and discern, is this credible? Is this not credible? Generally, when there's just a total grouping like that, you can assume that they're just going to say things that are true about cryptocurrency in general, apply them to Bitcoin and hope people don't notice. And I think this article is very, very guilty of that. 
That's say a, Bitcoin. That's a good observation there. That's a good tell when you know someone doesn't know what the heck. They, if they're ripping on Bitcoin and then just throwing in crypto and describing it's good. That's a good. And of course, they don't know. They don't give a damn. Uh, all right. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to bring it back to the United States and politics here. OK. Um, and uh, Dustin, we'll, we'll start with you because we were this is how we met online, at least. Uh, we were uh, you, you said earlier in the show that uh, the, the, the U.S. hates on Bitcoin, okay? And uh, po- politically right now, uh, it, it appears more so that the uh, if you're a Republican, you're more likely to jump on the Bitcoin bandwagon for, for whatever reason, just because you, you think you can get money from it, and that some Democrats uh, are just take the Elizabeth Warren take on it. It must be bad. If, the Repu- if, if one Republican likes it, it must be bad. And this is my way of becoming more of a fascist and being more of an authoritarian by banning this and pretending to help the little guy, even though it, it really helps the little guy when you uh, allow uh, uh, innovation to to uh, thrive. So what you, Dustin, were interested in finding Democrats that, Definitely. Were, that, were, that are interested in, in Bitcoin. So tell us why you're interested in that. And, and if you were able to find it and this this Erica lady. Erica Rhodes, yeah. Just, I mean, she just had a, a talk, but she's talking about the UBI also at the same time. Now, I, I, I can support UBI on, on if you get rid of all the other welfare programs and you get rid of all our taxes. I think UBI would be great. Then all the smart people can say, okay, I, I'm in the Bitcoin. You, UBI could be fiat. I'm in the Bitcoin. Let the let everything fall where it may fall. But uh, I, I don't know why she was. I didn't. I didn't hear her talk. But I, I wonder why she's a UBI fan and Bitcoin fan, and maybe she's got a logic to it like I do. But Dustin, take it away. Sorry. I mean, that's hard to answer. I think like to appeal to the Democrats, you got to talk that way, you know. And so like maybe she believes it. She probably does. But um, honestly, I'm just excited about how we have politicians fighting over us. Like whether it's genuine or not, the fact that they like they see Bitcoin as a thing that's worth pursuing politically, I think is like I'm just ecstatic. And, and I think that um, even if uh, worst case scenario, these candidates that are running on Bitcoin, like get get elected, don't care about Bitcoin, they still want to get reelected. So they're, they're going to still push back at least somewhat on, on some of the nonsense we've seen go through Congress and other things. So I'm excited about that. But Eric Rhodes in particular, uh, you know, Jack Dorsey has taken a liking to her. And I think they're doing they did a talk before. They're doing like a, a televised talk like soon. I'm sure he's like donating to her campaign. I donate to her campaign. And like, she seems like she's genuine in it. And honestly, really a big part of it with Erica Rhodes is, if you know, Brad Sherman is like yes. the Bitcoin hater in Congress. She's going to unseat him. So like that actually adds credence to the argument. She's just doing it because it could be a political move. But I don't think that's so bad. I think like, like, I think I would love to have politicians that are pure Bitcoin up there. But the next best thing is ones that are just trying to sim for us. And like, that's better than, than the opposite. That is a very positive take. I like. Eh, they're just going to sit for us. That's good too. <laughs> it's, it's good. Uh, you had previously. You said you know if Russia actually adopted it, it would be good PR. You could always boil it down to hey, at least they're talking Bitcoin, even if they might be doing it for the wrong reasons or whatever. It's getting the name out there more, and it might be inspiring some good people. Now, yes, she she's getting all the attention because she's going against the number one Bitcoin hater out there. I mean. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is, is number two to him because he has just said some insane things, Brad Sherman. Uh, it, it, I mean, he has no shame. His 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 blind love of uh, his uh, his banking supporters that I mean, 
at least he's honest about it, I guess, uh, why he hates Bitcoin so much. Now, uh, but, but have you discovered any more uh, d- Democrat? I mean, and, and what was your interest in, in or maybe I, I misinterpreted Yeah, that. well, I think that like I, Bitcoin didn't have any political affiliation for a long time. And now there's like more Republicans getting excited about it. And well, that's I dangerous. just really, I really wish I want it to stay a bipartisan issue exactly. as best as we're able to. So I think like um, more effort on getting progressives and liberals uh, on board is good just because we already have like headway with Republicans. So just trying to make, keep it more bipartisan. So it can't be this like, oh, Republicans are doing it, therefore we'll never do it. And it may be too late for that. I don't know, but I feel like there's a chance and we should fight for it. Like, I don't, I don't vote Democrat. I'm not a Democrat, but I, I want to support the Bitcoin Democrat candidates, basically. It's, it's not too late. Never say never, baby. All right, Lewis, <laughs> you, you got some uh, political take here. Take it away. Yeah, I was going to agree. I think that one of the biggest like short-term threats to Bitcoin in terms of uh, its appeal and the way that, like big swaths of the public perceive it is if we don't get more Democratic leaders to come on board with it. I, I think Suarez is a really good example. I don't think he's Republican. I think he's like left-leaning or, I mean, he's Florida, like a Democrat by Florida standards, right? So like, I don't know how that how that shakes the pot. But if people just see, like the example that comes to my head is, you know, Ted Cruz, I, you know, whether or not you th- like him, there's a lot, he's just never been popular with the Democrats. And if he becomes the face of Bitcoin in Washington, D.C., whether or not he's truly informed about it, which I, genuinely think he's one of the more informed politicians on the subject it doesn't matter right none of this is about in politics it's not about who's actually being truthful who understands the underlying subject matter it's about who can like win the memetic game like who's winning the meme more in terms of spreading the idea and making it seem like something that you know the parties involved behind the scenes are, are on board with uh so i'm not telling ted cruz to slow down at all i think he should definitely heat up it's just like you're saying you know getting people who are republican bitcoiners all of a sudden just really bringing out the support for anyone on the other side, also bringing up this issue, even right. Like you said, even if they're LARPing, like they're still making it, making Democrats be like, it's okay to be a Democrat and have this viewpoint. And then again, as people continue to understand it, because anytime, you know, you one-on-one with someone who's Democrat on Bitcoin, they're like, well, why don't you like it? Right. And then there's the energy FUD. Then you take a couple of minutes to go through that with them. And then they maybe see things your way because they also realize they haven't studied the problem. They've just listened to someone else make the talking points like we said with the kind of same imf mumbo jumbo that makes people fall into these traps of like having just blatantly wrong beliefs and then you get them through the energy flood you get them through like you know why are you democrat right because you want to help the little guy because you believe in like all of these people who have these bad circumstances and you want to help them and then it's like do you understand why bitcoin was created do you understand the context why it was created do you think corporate bailouts i mean you just like hit them through like any of the talking points that have been like rehashed since like 2009 on like the most original forums and they come on board but if that if the first seat of doubt can be removed by people on their side speaking in favor of Bitcoin, and that's just like another really, really positive step. Uh, very good point about Ted Cruz. If he became the uh, face of Bitcoin in, in D.C., oh, yeah, the Democrats would be not it, it would stifle Democrat adoption right there, which is unfortunate. They couldn't look past that. But you, you make a really uh, a, a, a strong, and, and he is a very smart man too, and uh, he represents a, a, a state, the, the great state of Texas, that is going to do huge Bitcoin things because of its freedom-loving ways. Uh, so he he could, in theory, become a bigger face of Bitcoin, and yeah, that would turn Democrats off, and that that's just they're just hurting themselves right there with that type of thing. G- Gandalf, I don't know. Do you have any commentary on uh, the U.S. Uh, political system and Bitcoin, what we've been talking about? Yeah, i got to say, like, I don't, you know, uh, 
I don't live in the US and I wouldn't say I necessarily like have my finger on the pulse of US politics, but I completely agree that you don't want it to, be, you wouldn't want it to become a partisan issue. Um, so I think it's important that it's, it's seen as either neutral or something that uh, both sides agree on. Like, you know, you don't get people, you don't get politicians arguing one's like US do- pro US dollar and the other one's like anti US dollar. So we want it to be like that kind, we want it to be so ubiquitous that ubiquitous however you say that word, I'm struggling with it, um, that both sides agree or it's just neutral. They don't even talk about it because there's nothing to, you know, usually politicians are talking about uh, matters that they're, they have disputes about, not things that they agree on. They actually probably don't really want to highlight the things they agree on, right? Yeah. Dude, here in Texas, the other uh, side. with this uh, uh, governor race, they're all competing to be more Bitcoin than the other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They one up against each other. It's amazing. It's crazy. And, and, and look, I think we should all... Um, you know, on the on the topic of like politicians LARPing and stuff, I think we can all be fan uh, fans of and support given actions that are good for Bitcoin without think without making them either be good or bad because of those actions. Like just because somebody takes an action that's positive for Bitcoin doesn't mean they're an amazing politician and like everyone should go vote for them and support them. Uh, and just because they don't do something good for, I mean, you know what I mean? Like the action no good, yeah, the action good, the person you know, depends on what future actions they take. Very good points. Very, very good points there. Don't put these politicians on pedestals uh, either, again, uh, because you're only going to get disappointed. Even Loomis, I I think she is doing it out of good, but, you know, you you never know. uh, You never know what what, what could happen here one day with with some of these dudes. They they, they could could switch on a dime. I mean, if if we went to war with Russia and then if it came... yeah, not that it's going to happen, but anyway, okay. Any any more political talk before we uh, we move on here to some other subject matters? I'm just excited. You know, you go back like five years ago, the idea would be talking about which politicians into Bitcoin do we believe and don't believe. I'm just ecstatic. This is amazing. No, no I, you're I, good. You're a good PR man for Bitcoin. You you have the you have the positive spin on everything. So I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> no, but it, it's well, it's so true. If you if if you've been around since you know. <laughs> Even 2016. I mean, I've been around since 2013, um, but it, it would be a dream back in 2016 if any politician was talking about Bitcoin. Now, you know, the Texas governor's race, everybody's talking about it. It's the second biggest state in the country. Everybody in D.C. is talking about it. All sorts. Everyone has to have a Bitcoin opinion now, which is a dream. I, 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 in 2016, you wouldn't be able to. I, I, it was unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I think. I think we live in a world, well, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin echo chamber is, is, is one that thinks like Bitcoin should, Bitcoin should be the world reserve currency, like currency of the world. Like it's just, it's actually like, it's an, un, it, it's underrated, but that's where it should be. So anything that isn't that we're upset, like, you know, mm-hmm. we have a politi- about okay. Except for Dustin, he loves everything. Uh, <laughs> no, but what I mean is like, we, this isn't good enough. Like we want more. Wait, we deserve more, right? Bitcoin is amazing. I think that's the attitude or, or sort of the sentiment that, that a lot of the Bitcoin community have uh, because they see a certain thing in Bitcoin. I'm, I'm there too. I, I just, um, so uh, yeah, I, yeah, I just, I just, but, but I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I haven't been around pre like 2020. So I, I didn't know what it was like when, you know, there was like a risk that Bitcoin could fail or I, I, I'm a, I'm a child of like the, uh, Bitcoin's already won era. Well, you're absolutely Dude. right that it deserves it. Damn it, it does. <laughs> Gandalf, I thought you'd been around longer, but you got this old white beard and stuff. I mean, I thought you're like uh, from 2013. Uh, <laughs> How long did it take to grow? 
in a, this is like 3,100 years, but, but trimmed. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So we got, I, I know Dustin's been a while. We'll let Dustin answer this question last. I, I want to go, Lewis, how long have you been in the space for? It's tough to say. I mean, I bought my first Bitcoin in very, very small amounts in 2016, but I really consider myself more a class of 2020. Okay. Okay. And uh, Dustin, you, you're hardcore as anything. You've been around since when? Uh, well, I like to think that you have like you have your freshman year of Bitcoin when you first find it, maybe you buy some, then you have like your class of when you graduate. So I think my, my freshman year is 2011. And I think I'm like class of 2015. No, I haven't graduated like yet. No way. <laughs> wait, 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 Dustin, you bought your first Bitcoin in 2011? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, baby. Pound that, like, that is some vet. And do you still have those that that Bitcoin? Do you still have pieces? Oh no, I oh. got pieces. I got pieces. I got pieces. I'll say that much. A couple of UTXs still from. I got one my, day they'll become UTX hoes. I'm just waiting. I got my 2013 Bitcoin still. Pound that like button, baby. I love nice. it. Nice. All right, all right, all right. I, uh, yeah, just for the record, now I heard like I got told about it in 2016, 2017. I was a classic like I, I studied economics and I fancied myself like a, an investor, like just you know equities, not not like you know investing in like angel, none of that shit. But um, uh, so I was like, okay, interesting. I got told about it by somebody that was like that I kind of like respected and was like successful and rich and stuff. And I was like, okay, like seems pretty cool. I'll keep an eye on it. And then like I you know read a couple of mainstream media articles, and then I was like the oh, it's all about blockchain, not Bitcoin. And this is like a, this is a bubble. Oh, no. Yeah. That's And then, and then I was, and then I was like, you know, the 2018 crash happened and I was like, see, I was right. It was a bubble. Uh, but I kept my eye on it. And then when it went back to 10 K, I was like, okay, obviously I'm wrong here. There's something here that I need to study. Nice. So I bought some Bitcoin. And then uh, a year later, i managed to spend some time going down the rabbit hole. And then I was like instantly orange pilled all in. Uh, and then yeah, uh, I think we are. the Bitcoin conversion requires humility. You have to be able to look at yourself and say, how am I wrong? And be comfortable doing that, yeah. and it sounds like you went through exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Gandalf, that was very impressive that you could you could find uh, say that you were wrong. Yeah, I mean, there's so few guys. Peter Schiff can't say that. Also, <laughs> there are all sorts of dudes that can't say, "Well, I, I was mistaken. I, I've learned my lesson." Uh, it, it definitely humility is uh, is something that's lacking in this in this world to be. But hey, uh, they can have fun staying poor if they want to be stubborn, dudes. Uh, I, I do want to say uh, flashback real quick to last week's show. We were uh, talking about the uh, Las Vegas event. Oh, I'm going to be at Unconfiscatable this year in Las Vegas, uh, March 3rd to 6th. Okay, I mean, that's coming up in a month. I'm going to Las Vegas tomorrow. Nice. Maybe I'll stay until March now if there's a reason to. Do it, do it. Unless people come the day before a conference, you're coming the month before a conference. I'm from Las Vegas. (laughs) Adam, I'm flying over as well, mate. Wait, 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 So wait, 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 we're jumping around. I want to say, so yeah, Tone was an awesome guest last week. We were giving away some tickets to, to the event on March 3rd and 6th in Las Vegas. And uh, I, I wanted to say there's someone that needs to contact me out there, William Phillips. If you are watching this, you can DM me at TechBalt. Follow me on Twitter, guys, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. You can DM me there and email me at Adam or email me at Adam at TrezorHelp.com. I rarely give out that email address on here on the show, but William Phillips, you, you really should contact me. Uh, it's it's uh, it has to do with that the Las Vegas thing. Um, but uh, yeah, Dustin, are you going to be in Las Vegas this uh, for the event? You, I, I oh, saw definitely. You. Okay, you're, what's you're, it called? It's unconfiscatable. Unconfiscatable. Come to it there. It's 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 gonna be a blast. Wait, wait, Lewis, you live usually in Las Vegas, or you're from there originally? 
I don't know anymore. Uh, I'm from Las Vegas, <laughs> but I've been on the road for a while. I moved to Nashville when I worked for Bitcoin Magazine, and now I've got a new job and it's remote. So I'm deciding where I'm resettling. What Dude. about Austin? They're all going to Austin. And Louis, you and you have family in southern in South, in South Florida, also, I guess. A family in South Florida and family in Southern Nevada. Okay, okay, very, very interesting there. A combination you got. You, you hey, that's the. I don't live anywhere anymore. I'm from Baltimore. I just try, I've been traveling around for years now. Just oh, that's the Bitcoin lifestyle, baby. So hey, don't. A, uh, buying a house is an attack vector, everybody. Remember that. I, I brought up that term beforehand. But, uh, yeah, it, it, William uh, Phillips, please uh, contact me here, okay? All right, so so moving on, let's let's talk about uh, LeBron James, baby. Let's <laughs> let's talk. A main, I don't usually like LeBron James too much, bringing his talents down to South Beach, whatever he said back in the day. But I got to give him a little bit of credit on this. He's trying to educate the people about uh, crypto, Bitcoin, whatever he wants to call it. Okay, and uh, I don't know where the head, what I did with the darn he- headline. Um, I got it here. Yeah, no, I got no. it. I got it. James teams with Crypto.com to bring digital education to students. I want to ensure that communities like the one I can't come from are not left behind. James said in a statement. Blockchain technology is revolutionizing, revolutionizing our economy, sports, and entertainment, the art world, and how we engage with one another. Okay, so he says his publicist said some pretty generic things for him there, but this is the thing. Let me tell you, the public school system in these inner cities, horrible. They, they're not learning a darn thing, okay? Instead of trying to teach them whatever they're trying to teach them, this is great. Learning about Bitcoin is much better. That the education, the woke education they're getting, the woke that the, the they're not even going to school anymore. They, they they in Baltimore they're still scared to send people back to public school. It's 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 horrible. It's it's terrible what's going on. So I, I like this. I don't think uh, I think kids should be able to opt in having a, a Bitcoin education. I mean, it's an immediate skill that is worth a lot. If you know how to send the Bitcoin, I've said this many times. That is a valuable skill today. So that LeBron is bring, and he's making it cool for the young people to, to learn about Bitcoin. He's making it also cool to strive for wealth and savings. Okay, because a lot of the attack vectors on Bitcoin are just people that are that hate wealth, that hate productivity. And he's by teaching this, he wants the communities to do better for themselves, to have wealth. And I think I think that's good, a good spin. Instead of being victim, we have we live in such a victim woke world today, and this is not victim woke stuff that he's talking about. So I, I commend him on that. That you know, sure, you know, his publicist says all this blockchain stuff. Okay, whatever. Okay, no one is perfect, but I, I like I, I think all young people <laughs> they should be uh, have, have classes in, in 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 Bitcoin. I think it would be, be awesome, and we're getting closer if LeBron is uh, kind of directing people in that way. So. Uh, who wants to speak first on this? Any, anybody got an opinion? Yeah, I mean, I wish it was Bitcoin, but I, you know, you make a really good point. It's better than just teaching woke stuff and like I don't know, Paggery and Theorem or something. Um, and I think that hopefully, I, I'm just really curious what the quality would be like. And I guess it's early days, but um, I mean, I just wish it weren't Bitcoin. Is LeBron James? Is he a Bitcoiner at all? Does he have any Bitcoin? Well, you see, the thing is, is Crypto.com they're the sponsor of the Lakers Arena. So I'm sure uh, he's, he, no. this is the thing. He, he's probably very much into the 
other side of the thing. Who knows? He hasn't made a public he hasn't made a public statement if he actually owns cryptocurrency or not. But Probably a lot of these sports guys are buying it. Oh yeah. I mean, and and, and you, you wonder about the quality of the education. I mean, it, he's got all the money in the world. Crypto.com's got all the money in the world. So I, I think it really could be a good program. They got the funding. There's no doubt about it. Lewis, you were about to say something. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where, like you said, uh, his publicist made a pretty generic statement that, like, LeBron James cryptocurrency, period, right? And you're like, <laughs> LeBron James, inner city schools, education, crypto.com, basketball. Yeah. And we're like, cool. That's good, right? It's better than LeBron James coming out publicly and being like, if your school's teaching you about Bitcoin, change schools, because there's plenty of people coming out with that tone. Yeah. But I think the, I mean, you know, you know, inner city schools could be kindergartners. Is like, what are you going to tell them, right? Versus like, it could be like high schoolers. And then you're like, you know, helping saying, maybe you should consider storing some money or if you're going to be trading this, this is like ways to like not lose a ton of money. And like, I think that's really good. And if this just spills over generically into traditional financial, uh, habits and disciplines to teach people. I think that's super positive. I don't see anything negative from this, right? I think there's like a spectrum of how great it could be. And like best case scenarios, LeBron comes out and he's like, this is not only am I teaching these kids about this, but like they're going to get Bitcoin wallets and donating Bitcoin or blah, 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 blah. Like, and Bitcoin, here's why, you know, there's a million things that could be better, but like, this is just another nudge and, you know, pushing like the, the Bitcoin rock up the hill in terms of like getting mass adoption, having someone who, I don't think LeBron James, you know, tying it to the politics. He's never been, uh, accused of being an overly Republican figure. So having him come out with a big microphone and <laughs> Good say, point. and having him come out with a big microphone in support of the industry in general uh, is nothing but a positive. Again, the extent to which this is actually going to make kids well-informed about this, et cetera. But at least it's like someone, a uh, position of authority, both in terms of sports and in the classroom being like, this is something that's real. It's a real thing and you should know about it and it matters and it's culturally relevant. That's all very, very good. You know, I take the point that it's a spectrum and we're all on the positive side of the spectrum. Like the worst case is like a bunch of kids get into shit coins. But if, if we're honest, like a lot of the Bitcoiners today went through a process like that themselves. They went and bought Ethereum or Solana, whatever the nonsense was, and then eventually learned about Bitcoin. So if kids can do that when they're younger before they have money to lose, maybe just they'll get to Bitcoin by the time they have savings. It could be good. I, I would love if LeBron just straight up made a – proclamation every public school in america should teach bitcoin that would be huge Ooh. some of these Ooh. worshipers would just blindly do it and do anything that dudes it would be because it, 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 again right now it's it's about to you know how, how do we figure out why we're victims and who do we need to take revenge against that's what uh we, we learn the, the public schools seem to be uh, going in that direction now which is uh not very productive but uh hey gandalf you got any comments on us americans and sporties uh talking <laughs> bitcoin in our education system here uh, what's next honestly like i think the lesson i take away from this is like uh excellent how to do excellent pr because i think louis uh louis nailed it you know crypto blockchain education inner city kids like very very hard to read that and think wow lebron james is not a nice guy like you know so it's it, yeah it, it, it's hard to say we can't really opine on whether it's good or bad because we don't know the details about anything to about what they're going to teach and how they're going to teach it and who's going to teach it but as a piece of pr if any of us need to do pr uh, it's a good way to to learn what good pr is Oh, he's got a good publicist, no doubt about it. Yeah. Spent, spent a big time on his publicist out in Southern California where everybody's locked up. Still. All right, pound that like button, everybody. People in the chat, 
do a super chat. We only need 34 more dollars to get the next one Bitcoin show. Okay, remember, we haven't had a one Bitcoin show. We tried to raise $100 for a one Bitcoin show. We need 34 more bucks. Hey, and ask the panel members questions. That's how you do it with a super chat or type in Bitcoin Meister there. Uh, I want to move on to another, well, it's it's a North American issue here. <laughs> we up, up north of the border, the uh, Canadians are having a, we don't hear about it in the mainstream news because there's a total blackout, which is not shocking at all. These truckers are, are doing some good stuff up there. I, I I like what I've seen, what I've been able to, to gather. I can only find out stuff about it on freaking Twitter, okay? But there was uh, something, something that slipped out in the mainstream media. The GoFundMe had been frozen until organizers offered a detailed plan regarding how funds would be spent. All right. So uh, the, the truckers had some issues with their GoFundMe. They got turned off, which I mean, come on, truckers. You should have known better. Bitcoin fixes this. And don't worry, you're not going to be able to be funded by the time this thing is over. You're not going to have a GoFundMe. You're not going to have a PayPal. This is what censoring money is all about. This is what third-party systems are all about. PayPal, GoFundMe. So any of those truckers that think they're going to get funded this way, you're making a big mistake. You guys should have jumped into Bitcoin right away. So I, I hope somebody up there in trucker land, I hope, they, I hope they keep on honking their horn in Ottawa, but they really got to get some Bitcoin funding immediately. They, they, they cannot rely on, or, or they're in big trouble, okay? Because I mean, the, the lies that are being told about these people, uh, it, it'll get them banned from every single possible thing, but they can't get banned from Bitcoin. So I just wanted to, to toss that out there. Uh, does anyone have any, any take on the, uh, <laughs> you can say anything about the Canadian dudes, uh, what they're doing, but uh, any take on uh, their, their funding mechanisms? I mean, I don't want to come out being critical of them for kind of just failure of oversight, right? I mean, it's one of those things with the censorship. I don't, I've not heard of GoFundMe's being censored before, so it's just a failure of imagination of what could have gone wrong. And I think they're uh, adapting quickly. And I don't think their area of expertise has been the financial world, right? Just like that's not a super... And when I talk about financial world, I'm not talking about personal finances. I'm talking about like the global macro picture. I don't think that's like part of the job description. Uh, and freight is to like be well-versed in that. So it's just like, yeah, why wouldn't, why would we be censored? Like, why would that even be a consideration? So I don't fault them at any point for like, not having thought of that. That's like a lot of the reason, you know, zooming out why Bitcoin has been a lot slower to catch on in USA and Canada than other parts of the world where people believe in like the rule of law and believe in like the integrity of their systems. That's why like, we're like, why is this even worth learning about? That's why like, it takes a lot in time for a lot of people to get orange pilled in these countries. So that's just, that's probably why they didn't think of it. And now there's a whole lot of people who are going to get orange pilled because they're going to be pleased uh, to realize like, okay, if this saved me in this situation, there's all sorts of other situations that's relevant. And they kind of already have like very fertile ideas or very fertile beliefs in their heads that like would lead them to become orange pilled as well in terms of like their understanding of like the tyranny of their state and understanding like the lack of freedoms. And uh, like GoFundMe just kind of made themselves less relevant for. Uh, yeah, I think you, you don't care about financial censorship till it happens to you. And then you care about it real quick. <laughs> so it's kind of a lesson, a, a, a shitty one, but, but a lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I do wonder when it will become more common sense to think about financial. Uh, I mean, Americans are just soon. <laughs> They're too spoiled. Uh, not laughing, right but laughing. Yeah. But, I'll say uh, one other thing. I was fortunate enough just uh, because it's Canadian. I was fortunate enough on Monday of this week to see Dr. Jordan Peterson in person in Miami and he's becoming orange pilled and he's Canadian. 
and he was coming out in support of these truckers. That was like one of the first things he talks about at the beginning of his set at, at the show. Dude, um, they raised like 10 million bucks on GoFundMe before they closed it. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. But but Jordan Peterson Safedine uh, interview was great, by the way. It, it, he was learn you he was learning from Safedine. You could tell oh. he was like, oh, this thing is this is amazing. Yeah, and, and yeah, Jordan Peterson has uh, in in terms of Canadian politics at the last few weeks, Jordan Peterson has been hitting some home runs. Okay, he's been talking about some constitutional crisis up there in, in, in Canada uh, with, with a, a, a politician from the east side from Nova Scotia, I think. Anyway, uh, Jordan Peterson is great, and it's great that he's getting into Bitcoin, and it's great that you, you got to hear him speak uh, in person. Uh, Gandalf, any any comments about uh, censoring uh, the, the mainstream financial system and when these people are going to wake up, when, when more people in the Western world are going to wake up to it? Yeah, I think Dustin nailed it. Like until it happens to you, it's not something that's in your in your consciousness of like of your realm of possibility. Otherwise, obviously, they wouldn't have used GoFundMe, and they wouldn't have used you know, traditional banking rails or whatever else, because they realize like all these things are actually permissioned and somebody can just stop these funds from getting to me if they don't agree with what I'm trying to do. Um, so great opportunity for orange pilling a very, very, very large number of people. But I think, you know, in terms of like the the waking up of the, of the masses, I think COVID's done wonders for that as well. I think a lot of people have realized uh, the power of the state to do things that would seem very dystopian a couple if you if you'd said you know a couple of years ago the state's not going to let you out of your house or they're going to like dictate that you have to wear a face covering or like they're going to tell you you have to get a vaccine and like have a vaccine passport to travel like that would have seemed like some dystopian weird like you're crazy conspiratorial guy and now it's all true uh yes it, it has definitely that we we can see that it's all it all can really happen but at the same time, we can see there's a substantial percentage of the population that loves that and w- likes to live in a dystopian world. They, 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 they crave the, that kind of authority over them, which They're is very disturbing, very disturbing also and also shows why we will never have a, a full Bitcoin world because there will be people that worship whatever the state tells them to do. Uh, Gandalf, you, you talked about throughout the show that we live in this bubble on Bitcoin Twitter where we all think everybody's going to love and adopt Bitcoin one day. And there's going to be a Bitcoin standard, this, that, and the other. I, I think one thing that these last two years have taught us is that there are people that love to be servile servants that will believe anything the government tells them to do and will uh, worship any authoritarian as long as he's uh, he's got their colors on okay as long as he's part of their team so there's 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 a lot that that's that's learned uh, uh some of it is good some of it is scary but hey uh hold your bitcoin i think it'll be in good shape uh any uh i was just uh, diverted here anyone else have anything to say about our diversion <laughs> all right all right let's uh let's get back on track we're, we're here at toward the end of the show uh Dustin, since you're in Texas, tell us, uh, I mean, te- have you been to the Houston meetup? I think you, you mentioned that you had been to the Houston meetup. I have in the past, yeah. How big is this darn thing? How big is Bitcoin in Texas? Uh, I mean, you're in Austin. Uh, I mean, I'm it's in becoming, I'm in it's becoming the Mecca, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's the Mecca? It's, it's, tell us about the, the Texas Meccan, Mecca, and will you be going to Miami in, in, uh, in April? I'm definitely going to Miami in April. I mean, I want to go. To, I go to all the events, most of them, as long as there's not too many shit coins in it. But like Austin, I think it's just it's just pulling all the Bitcoiners here. And there's the BitDevs thing uh, every month. People just fly in for that. 
the Bitcoin population like quadruples during during that like uh, weekend. And actually, every month it feels like the the before and after of a conference. There's like people going to bars, hanging out, you can talk to like Bitcoiners about Bitcoin stuff constantly. Um, I did a bunch of traveling around America this last year, just going to a bunch of Bitcoin shit. And like Austin was my favorite by far. The only one I haven't gone to is actually Nashville. And I was curious to hear about how the Nashville scene is. If you have any thoughts on that. Ooh, that's a home of Bitcoin magazine. I got to tell you one thing about Nashville. I spent a lot of time in Nashville. I actually didn't see Bitcoiners there, but man, that city is awesome, dude. That's a free freaking city where people were partying every weekend. Those bachelorette parties were coming down there. I, I think they like country music for some reason. The Airbnbs were packed. I mean, it was it was great, you know, compared to like, I don't want to talk to you. New York City, everybody's scared, wearing stuff on their faces and all. Okay, good, good, good. So te Texas looking good. You're going to Miami. You're in freaking yeah. you're, you're in freaking motion. Uh, there's some uh, Gandalf I wanted to ask about. I know you probably won't be going to Miami or anything like that. No, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming to Unconfiscatable, baby. I'm coming to Miami. They're letting you out. Uh, I'm coming to Houston at the end of March for Empower Energizing Bitcoin Conference. I'm coming to Miami and I'm going to Bitblock Boom in August in Austin as well. So oh, my God. Of, of oh, my God. This dude is awesome. This dude, I'm going to meet you in a month then. I'm going to meet you in a month. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, I did. this is a surprise to me. Are you play, playing in the poker tournament? No, I, I don't I don't gamble. I, I will be I will be there that night. I, I'll yeah. say hi to everybody uh, on Thursday night there, but I will I will participate in it. Uh, but I, I, I know what I wanted to say to you that I wanted to also say to, to, to Dustin, because that, that's the way I met him was over Clubhouse and uh, Twitter spaces. Dustin, I think you spend some time in these uh, in, in crypto or in Bitcoin Twitter spaces and Clubhouse. And I Am I correct on this? Yeah, it's like, you know, not too much, give or take, like 40 hours a week, something like that. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, so <laughs> I want Gandalf and you to, and I think Gandalf knows a bit about this too. How, what is the vibe over there? And this, this stuff is growing. I think a lot of people don't even watch YouTube videos. They just, they do, instead, they spend their time over there. So, what's your tape on, on Bitcoin, uh, Twitter spaces, and Clubhouse? Uh, I think they're always changing. Like, I think, um, like clubhouse has become a bunch of hodlers that are like, it's like a support group that just get through the long phase of hodling, which can be boring, but having other people doing it with you, especially when the price dumps in half or whatever, you guys can like support each other, I think has been like really helpful for people. Like I know in the past, I just like hodl alone and there's something very lonely about that, but having a group of people that you can just bullshit with is great. Um, I think clubhouse also sometimes breaks out into actual Bitcoin conversation. <laughs> Um, but it does have that thing where it's going 24 seven. So like, there's not enough stuff to talk about all day. So we'll just talk about our lives. And I get the sense spaces is more like more formal Bitcoin talk. Um, you know, that's kind of how, how it sense, feels to me. What do you guys think? Gandalf. Yeah. Gandalf. I want your team. Cause you were just, you were just on one, weren't you Gandalf? Um, I do a regular Bitcoin spaces. Well, I don't do it. I, I'm just one of the speakers on a Friday uh, with some friends and we just talk about Bitcoin. Um, and I really enjoy that one, but I don't, I, I, I used to go on Twitter spaces a lot when it first came out and there was just like, you know, impromptu, like I remember there, you know, there's the legendary like Nick Carter where Nayib Bukele comes on and like they're in the El Salvadorian parliament whilst the Bitcoin law is being passed. Uh, that was epic. That was, was epic. Like the Mark Cuban, Preston Pish one, that was epic. Uh, there's been, you know, a couple here and there, but um, I haven't had time. Uh, I just started um, running BTC Times 
uh, and I have a couple of other things going on as well. So I, I just haven't had that much time to like consume content recently. So I don't know what's been going on with um with with Twitter Spaces. Plus, a lot of I find a lot of uh, just like the more informal spaces is just like people chatting. So I don't get a lot of value out of that unless I want to chat with people. So the clubhouse vibe is invading spaces then, huh? <laughs> All right. It's, it's just amazing how these social media has evolved in the Bitcoin space since I got in. <laughs> there was nothing at first. It was just YouTube. Then, you know, we got this, this Twitter thing going on. And, you know, speak, and, and now it's just it's everything. Uh, uh, but but the, speaking about Epic and, and some history here, you, you mentioned Nick Carter. And indeed, he is an Epic, he's an Epic type of guy. I've been in this so long that Nick Carter was on my channel in 2017. He was so young. It was one of the first appear. It might've been his first appearance on any social media. Okay. To show you how things have changed so so much since then. Nobody knew who, knew who he was. I, th I knew this dude was smart. I had to have him on. One of my other guests was a Bitcoiner named Richard Hart at the time. You can Ooh. check out the archives. <laughs> at you could check So I had both of those dudes on my show at the same time. I think uh, my, my, buddy Rocky, time. my buddy in Rocky in Los Angeles was the third guest, I, I believe, on that show. And uh, it was in September or August of, of 2017. Go to the archives, disruptmeister.com. You want to see a young, quiet Nick Carter with a confident lover of Bitcoin, Richard Hart, <laughs> before he really, yeah. And Richard Hart is ripping on altcoiners there and all sorts of things that I think a lot of people will be surprised about. Uh, from, from, but okay, let's, uh, I, I've seen it all, guys. I uh, Best guest in the freaking space I bring you. Every freaking Friday here, these three guys are going down in history as part of the best freaking guests in the space. I don't bring you lame old people. I bring you people that are wild, unique freaking beast, like a coinbeast.com. Oh, I'm giving all sorts of promos here. So, okay, Gandalf, I'm going to see you in uh, Las Vegas, and you're going to be in Miami also, correct? Uh, yeah, you said Miami also, Gandalf. That's right. That's right. All right so I'm going to see you all. I'm going to touch your beard. It's going to be great. We're going to hug each other. We're going to embrace because oh, yeah. that's what being in person is about. It's about hugging people, all right? And people, because there's people in New York City and Los Angeles, they're, they're freaking neat freaks. They can't touch anybody. So it's, I love it. I love it. Be having no, nothing but natural blood going through my veins and nothing on my face and hugging people. It's great because that's what life is, okay? All right. So let, let, let's, Lewis, I, sorry, are you going to be at the Miami event? And tell us about what you're doing. And you also wanted to talk about a little bit about the, the real estate in Columbia transaction. T take it away. And if you have anything to say about tw social media, Twitter spaces, all this craziness. Yeah, I'm with uh, Gandalf on day-to-day. -day. Spaces don't really fit my schedule that well. I'm kind of like an asynchronous audio guy. I can't say that might be hearsay heresy to say on a live audio show, but that's also recorded and available for people asynchronously. I just, uh, I'll go on Twitter occasionally throughout the day, but if I find a space, I'm like, I've watched a ton of recorded spaces weeks later. Uh, so I'm glad the format exists and I think it, a lot of great things happen and I'm glad a lot of people rip the audio and put it on YouTube. Uh, but that's been my experience with, with that space. I think that, uh, I'll definitely be in Miami for the conference. I bought my ticket at the last conference before I even worked at Bitcoin magazine. And uh, so I bought it like with Bitcoin. I know, hate, hate to see it, but I, I probably just bought more Bitcoin the next day to cover for it. And then uh, I worked for the magazine and I was like, oh, sweet, I'm gonna have an extra ticket. And now I no longer work there because I'm in a different role in the space. So I'm glad I have that original ticket. I hodled the Bitcoin magazine conference ticket. Uh, so oh, was... they didn't revoke it? That's nice then. No, 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 no. I bought one before I worked there. <laughs> oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, 
I might have to think about rethink my flights back to Florida because uh, I'm going to Las Vegas tomorrow. So maybe I'll just stay for a few weeks, uh, come to the poker game. We'll see about that. Uh, and then, yeah, now I'm working for Anthony Pompliano on his job board and crypto education course. Oh. I'm doing growth marketing. So that's, that's, that's the current job. Helping so that people bio, uh, yeah. get prepared for the crypto workforce and find the best opportunities in the space. Oh, dude, that is so awesome because there's so many opportunities in the space. That is, that is probably 500 jobs on the website today. Like just there's a ton. Oh, dude, I did not know that about you that you were doing that. And you're on the education side of things. Dude, this is the golden age, people. OK, Look, get into this. Don't say there are all these people that oh, the only job I can get is a target or whatever. Come on, people. This is where it's at, baby. The Bitcoin. And it's space. not just engineering jobs on there either. There's that's maybe like a fifth of it. Good. You don't have to be some technical nerd. You could be a marketing guy. You could, you could be, be an any- HR person. These companies need a- need HR people too. They need compliance people. They need customer service. There's there's everything. Nice. Everything a normal company would need. A crypto company needs. So, so somebody in the in the chat said, which episode was Nick Carter on? Nick Carter was on two of my episodes. Yeah, I was looking to, a minute ago. I can't find go, it quite. Go to techbalt.com, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T.com. That will show you every This Week in Bitcoin that I have ever done. And that, that's like over 200 of them. And look, it, check out the ones from the summer of 2017. I've got the dates of all of them. So Nick, it was around August, September. So he was on twice. And then Richard Hart was on twice also. They were on... They were together at one point. Maybe I'll find the link and add it in the notes section at the thing. But I, I want to go back to the present here, man. You are doing some great things working for Pomp. And I mean, good job, man. V- v- very good job. Uh, and, 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 and did you want to mention that that real estate story real quick in Colombia? Or do you think it's not in doesn't matter? Uh, I don't think it's I mean, it's I don't want to say it's not important, but, I, you know, if people can find it for themselves. It's on the Bitcoin magazine feed on under uh, the recent I think it was by Nomsios. That dude's a legend. Uh, writes a ton of great pieces. But it was just showing that a South American real estate firm made their first deal in Colombia for a piece of property down there. Like we've mentioned a couple of times, I'm in motion considering all the places I want to go this year. Colombia's on that list and I'm seeing people buy property down there with Bitcoin all of a sudden. So it might make it a more attractive destination. But, you know, just more and more countries, Bitcoin, I mean, obviously Bitcoin is, I think, mature enough to be used for anything, right? Because, of course, you can always commit the sin of selling it to make the purchase you want to make. But being the... A growing list of things you can purchase without making that transition, I think, is really encouraging. And a growing list of places where you can do that is also very encouraging. And I believe it was open node for people curious about who facilitated it on the back end. I'm offended by selling, of course. I'm glad you mentioned that. And dudes, you know, real estate, you can't take the real estate with you. So always be careful, people. It can become an attack vector. And some of these uh, countries south of the border, you never know when the government's going to randomly change. But Colombia has been good lately. It, it, it's, it's definitely good. And I, I've been curious about going down there, but I haven't left the country since 2020 because of all these ridiculous stuff that's going on. And I want to make sure I'm able to get I love traveling the United States, as I've mentioned. It, it is all 50 states, 50 different experiments going on. That's another reason why you can, you know, if things ever went crazy and the federal government tried to make Bitcoin illegal, uh, I think uh, maybe uh, Florida and Texas would draw a line in the sand, hopefully. Let's not get there, though. Let's not get there. All right, Lou, Lewis, since I got you talking, anything else you want to promote? Uh, you've been a great guest. You've been I'm so glad to have you on. You've got a pot. You've got some podcasts. You've got a lot of stuff going on. Tell us what you're doing. Man. Lots of stuff going on. I do host my own podcast been since March of 2020. Uh, it's Bitcoin, entrepreneurship and technology more generally. A lot of self-improvement topics as well. Uh, and it's a great show. I host it with a co-host. We're both 22. I think it's like a lot of other great podcasts in the space, but the hosts are a lot younger, which means the questions are a lot 
there's a lot less boomer energy, which is uh, super relevant and super preferred by a lot of people to actually be able to relate to the conversations going on. Cause it's not just a lot of, a lot of these, you know, top 10, top hundred business podcasts, these dudes that are super wealthy talking to other dudes that are super wealthy about only problems that super wealthy people have. And that's not like the only skew of her podcast. Of course, there's like other reasons it's interesting, uh, but having two young hosts who are also kind of hustlers makes the questions a lot more relevant for the younger audience who's probably listening to the other guys saying, I just can't relate to this. So Lewis and Kyle show uh, my personal Twitter is linked in all the resources related to this podcast we're on right now. And Lewis and Kyle shows linked in my Twitter. So that's pretty easy to find. They're all linked. The, all three of these guys are linked to below. Please check them out. How old are the dudes on your show? If you can say, uh, the guests or the, my co-host and I are both 22. My co-host and I are both 22. I mean, we've had a hundred episodes, a hundred different people. I mean, the oldest wow. we, we and so wait, are you born in 99 or 2000? I mean, okay. 99. Amazing. Amazing. So obviously you, you, you couldn't even bought Bitcoin in 2013, man. You were a young dude then. All right. All right. Let's, let's go. Let's go to Gandalf here. What are you doing? Tell us what you're doing. Promote yourself. Anything you got to say? Yeah. Um, Everything is uh, like, like Louis also, everything's linked to my bio, but I'm the managing director at BTC times. I just started um, uh, running things there. And I also do social media marketing stuff for brains and slush pool. And then I have my own podcast called the, this is Bitcoin podcast, where I talk about building businesses in Bitcoin and tech privacy, self sovereignty stuff. Uh, and I, I, I'm learning how to do web development. So I just started a newsletter where I basically like write a diary about learning web development and contributing to Bitcoin open source projects. Did you have a tech background at all beforehand? No, nah, man. I, I, my background's in real estate. Before I got orange-pilled in, well, I got orange-pilled in January um, uh, and I owned a real estate business, um, which I'm in the process of selling. So I just decided to like dive into, into Bitcoin. Whoa, dude, that is so awesome that you're doing tech stuff without a tech background. That's inspirational, man. I I haven't had the time to do that type of thing yet, but it's kind of something I've, I've dreamed of, of doing, you know, becoming more of a, a techie. Uh, my background is in marketing. Yeah, um, I've, I've been, don't worry. I've been trying and failing since 2015 to learn how to do web development. So, but sometimes when you're new, you have, a, you have a better perspective. So if you're writing that down and sharing that with people, that can be quite beneficial. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing it from like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just like basically sharing what I learn every day. Whereas like somebody who's like, you know, very skilled, sure, they like understand all the concepts and stuff, but they're teaching you from a place where they're like been in the industry for 10 years and I'm just bringing it live as I learn. So hopefully people find some value in that. All right, Dustin, you're gonna you're gonna get the last word here, unless anyone, uh, in, unless there were any topics anybody wanted to bring up that we forgot to bring up. But Dustin, uh, you, if there are any topics we you can bring them up now, or what are you doing in Texas? Just say say what you're up. To. I mean, I do have a question. Yes, um, it's a Bitcoin question. What should be done with the Bitcoin Twitter people who have removed their laser eyes? And I think Gandalf should should answer this. Um, we should send them all and we, we should drop them off the, uh, off the bridge into Mount Doom into the lava, I think. <laughs> There's a dude out there who's been keeping a list of people who have removed their laser eyes, even temporarily. He's like a spreadsheet. I'm never taking mine off. Never. Whoa. Whoa. That, that's really hardcore Bitcoin inquisition type of stuff right there. And I, yeah. I, come on, man. But Hey, those people do serve as a, uh, Wow, they, they serve a purpose in Bitcoin. Uh, the, the, that that hardcore bottom line that is just 
insane. And hey, that's good. Everybody's welcome here. That is the, the beauty of Bitcoin. You can't kick anybody out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Making lists of making. I don't like making lists at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's it's definitely sketchy. But I, I do love the energy of the laser eyes. Uh, I think Jimmy Song's the only guy who gets an exception because he was pressured like crazy. And everyone's saying laser eyes to 100K. And you're saying, I'm going to put laser on once we hit 100K. And I felt like that gave him the only exemption card of, of uh, the Bitcoiner. You must wear the ribbon. You must wear the ribbon. Okay, Dustin, so what are you up to? Tell us what you're up to. Oh, man, nothing to promote, man. You, but you can unfollow me on Twitter. You can unfollow me on Clubhouse. I'm in those places. I'm just focused on sea uh, lighting development lately. So I'm just heads down programming shit. So right now I'm working on uh, trampoline routing. So if someone knows more details about that, like DM them to me. But the odds are low. I think it's pretty niche. I just picked up Mastering the Lightning Network by Andreas cool. and Renee and shit. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like it? I literally oh, just got it delivered yesterday. All Very right. cool. Tramp trampoline, man. I don't even know what this You're doing some hardcore stuff here. All right, dudes. That is it. We did it. Three new guests. It was really a fun show. New blood here. I, I really enjoyed it. Pound that like button, everybody. Retweet this on Twitter, okay? Go to disruptmeister.com. Go to techbalt.com. We'll be back next Friday. Who knows? We'll be back next week another time if we raise the 34 bucks to do the one Bitcoin show. Shabbat shalom, as I always say here on Friday, baby. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Thanks a lot, guests. Thanks a lot, uh, loyal uh, watchers and listeners. And uh, see you soon. Bye-bye, everybody. Cheers. All right. We Thanks for having us. Ended it there. Let me end it over here real quick.